Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Yo, 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 this is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in... um, Santa Monica, California, but we are broadcasting on the anniversary, the 35th anniversary of the death of Bob Marley. So when I opened, I wasn't um, being a Buffalo soldier, just showing respect for a great music artist and a major influence whose music has listened um, and sold millions of copies in every continent of the world. Um, so, But we have um, another um, pioneer, um, who uh, who knows someday may reach the same status as Bob Marley, uh, a good friend of the show, Tom Nora, and Tom has was joined us last in 2013 when he spoke to us from Austin at South by Southwest, and Tom has a, a new venture, or uh, he actually has become an author, and uh, we we get lucky to get him um, to talk about his soon to be released book, Hacking the Core. And we get Tom's insights on startups, and uh, that has a a unique take. Um, when he asked him to provide some key words and themes, um, he said that he gave us the words innovate, entrepreneur, Porsche, Steve Jobs, and Apple, robots, Google, and fear. But have no fear, Tom is here. Are you with us? Hey, how's it going? All right. Um, so then, been, been a few years, but good to have you back. So. Um, for those of you who um, who aren't familiar with you, why don't you give us just a brief overview of this kind of renaissance man that is Tom Nora? Um, okay. Um, I've been a high-tech um, startup plus large companies, but mostly startups, um, executive and engineer, and kind of done it all in the, the world of technology. A lot of focus on um, Internet software architectures and starting companies that make software tools and things like that. And then in the past few years, I've done some some mentoring as well as um, played the role of CEO of some startups and helped with fundraising. So I've kind of done it all several times. I've lived in Silicon Valley for off and on for 20 or 30 years and uh, born and raised in Los Angeles and spent a lot of time in the startup scene there. And I'm, I'm still involved in a number of companies in L.A., and uh, I also, in terms of the Renaissance part, I'm a photographer and an oil painter, and now I just started a couple of years ago writing, so I'm starting to write books, too. And, which, so um, and one thing, before we get to the book part, uh, one thing that's interesting about your background is 
you know, there are a lot of people who have been in tech for as long as you have. That's not necessarily unique. But what's what's somewhat unique about what you've done is you've been in tech and high level positions in in Seattle, in Silicon Valley, in um, Colorado, in Silicon Beach, and, and even in Germany. You know, so you 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 kind of have a um, you did basically the the buffet of um, you know America and worldwide tech in in, in the nineties and two thousands. Yeah, I saw a good quote recently. Somebody said that um, when you look back at your life, it looks like a a well-orchestrated plan, but when you're going through it, you have no idea what the hell you're doing. And that's a little bit kind of, you know, I didn't plan all of those changes yet, but I've lived in seven different states and lived overseas and worked in a lot of um, startup ecosystems and a lot of wannabe startup ecosystems, places where they... They really want to make it happen, and it's it's a lot of the the motivation for for the book and for a lot of the talks I give and articles I write is the idea of um, innovation and being different and unique and the culture that's required to to make that happen. And I've been in places like that where the culture is there. Um, and I've been in a lot of places where it will never happen unless they change their culture drastically because they still have that old school thinking. You know, they have young people. They have great technology sometimes. They even have some good ideas. But in terms of their, their government and the way they think and the kind of paying you by the hour versus collaboration, all those different things are uh, really, really hard to um, get rid of especially in smaller towns. And as you know, you know, almost every city in the world right now is saying they want to be the next Silicon Valley or to be right. a startup town. And the, so, the thing um, that most overused phrase is um, Silicon fill in the blank, whether it's, you know, Silicon right, Prairie, then, Silicon right. Alley, Silicon Beach. Um, right. And the, the one that's come closest, well, the one that actually made it happen is San Francisco. You know, now it's thought of as part of Silicon Valley, but 10 or 15 years ago, it was heresy to think of San Francisco as part of Silicon Valley. It was a whole different thing. When I worked in Silicon Valley, if you wanted a lower price on a house, you'd live in San Francisco, and only the freaks and hippies wanted to live up there. But now it's all kind of integrated, and it's one thing. So they did it. They became part of Silicon Valley, or the next Silicon Valley, whatever you want to call it. And the other one that's close is New York. New York has done an incredible job of becoming a massive startup ecosystem. But they still don't have anything like Silicon Valley. If you look at um, the top, you know, 50 companies that are worth over a billion dollars or by any measurement, you know, the, the standards of what we all use of, you know, Google, Facebook, Apple, all those, right. almost all of the top companies are still coming out of Silicon Valley. And then the other one, you know, I didn't mention it first because it makes me sound prejudiced, but I think what's happened to um, Los Angeles and Santa Monica in the last, I'd say, six or seven years um, is just unbelievable. You know, I remember, you remember, we were running around that town together then, and nobody knew what was going to happen. You know, nobody knew they they were trying to coin a a name for, you know, Silicon Beach and all those things, and... There is no way now that you can say that it didn't happen in, in SoCal because 
look at it. You know, just unbelievable the amount of companies and innovation, and they've got that attitude. You know, we've got that 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 we'll try anything, and it's okay to fail, and you know, tons of incubators, and and there've been a ton of failures, but there've been a very large number of successes and uh, exits, and it's attracted a lot of the greatest people in the world to to come to you know go surfing in the morning and then code in the afternoon and, and all that stuff. And so that's an amazing story to me too. Is, is Silicon beach a, a startup success story or a convergence success story or, or I guess maybe both. Well, that's a tough one for me because, you know, I've always, I've watched it since the early nineties, try to become a, startup success story, you know, and actually in the 90s, it was, you know, before the 2000 crash, it was more of a kind of a Pasadena story almost. And, um, you know, they had Idea Lab and a bunch of things happening out there. But uh, in Santa Monica, when I grew up, you know, I grew up next to Santa Monica, and that was where you can chase girls and things like that. It wasn't ever thought of as a high-tech place, maybe El Segundo or something, but the um, that prevailing conservative way of doing business, I think, has held Southern California back for a long time. And and I, I address all this in the book. There's chapters about this actually. And there was a a really interesting kind of a transition I think that happened recently. And I think a lot of it's because so many outsiders moved to LA. You know, constantly I'm running into people that have been there less than six months. And the but there's there's this kind of a Old school, I don't know if it's aerospace or what it is, because some of the biggest innovations in the world come from Los Angeles and, you know, Southern California, um, you know, in terms of, mu- you know, music, movies, television, art. What's that? In space. I mean, uh, I've met the guy. He's the only person on the planet who gets text messages from Mars. And he's over at the you know, JPL, Jet Propulsion Lab, over in Pasadena. Yeah, and in fact, the the, the origins of the, the web, well, the first nodes of the web were uh, Marina Del Rey. So, you know, Southern California has had all kinds of amazing first and innovations, but for some reason they couldn't make that, you know, free of hits like Silicon Valley for a long time. And for a couple of decades, I've been going back and forth between L.A. and Silicon Valley, and, you know, I know that... that um, that trip like the back of my hand, as you do, I'm sure. And, and you can, difference. you know, you come into the Valley and it's funny because, you know, Silicon Valley is ugly and it has hardly any culture. And, you know, we can say all these horrible things about it and they have ugly little houses that are now a million dollars, nothing like living in somewhere like Santa Monica. Right. But they have thing, this kind of magic dust that they've always been musicians from, you know, computer hardware to computer software to the web social media, you know, they kind of stayed alive for all those different parts. And so it's hard to say, I don't think that there's an answer to your question about what is Southern Cal because it hasn't really formed completely yet. You know, there's a lot of media, there's a lot of e-commerce, but that's not the same thing. Those are more kind of implementation innovation as opposed to some incredible pure innovation like, I don't know, Snapchat, Southern California company, and that's innovative. And and the other problem is a lot of 
companies as they become the most innovative companies often as they become more successful all over the world, but definitely in Southern Cal, they pick up and move to the area. So that's another problem we have is, you know, they kind of fly themselves back up there. But I don't know. I've, I've said this for a long time, and I think Southern Cal needs a big hit. They need something so big that it just knocks everybody out of their chair in terms of a web startup or something like that. You know, one, one thing about Southern California, it's often referred to as a place where people go to reinvent themselves. And and from what you're saying, it sounds like Southern California itself is constantly reinventing itself. Well, it is. And, you know, I grew up in Southern California in the 70s and 80s and you know, Sunset Strip, Santa Monica Beach, you know, all that, all that stuff. And, you know, times were different back then. I just saw an awesome um, documentary about the history of Tower Records. And I remember when Tower Records came to Sunset Strip and all the hippies and you could see rock stars in there buying records and back when people bought records and all that. And yeah. uh, it was one of the most free places in the world. You, know, you could do pretty much whatever you want. And yeah, I've got a lot of people who came to Southern Cal and dressed like a hippie and had long hair didn't behave like that back in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. No, they, um, they didn't, although we did have pockets. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of these places where if you're walking down the street with, with you know, a purple mohawk in L.A., nobody even looks at you. They're like, ah, oh, whatever. You know, they just kind of go on with their life because everybody does that. They express themselves. And um, I think that that's got to be a big part of startups, you know, in Southern Cal. And um, the other problem is people think that there's less of a work ethic in Southern California because of the the beach and, you know, all the different distractions you have. But I think that's being proven wrong, too, now. There's uh, these companies scaling, like, I don't know, like Dollar Shave Club, if you know those guys. That's highly innovative. And they're in Venice. And they just hit a billion-dollar valuation. You know, that's unbelievable. They got their first... I remember when they got their their first $10 in funding, and they just raised, like, $200 million more. So... um, yeah, that's an amazing story anywhere in the world, but the fact that it happened in an old firehouse in Venice where their office is, is uh, you know, there's a serious work ethic there. Although you do see surfboards laying around when you're there. Hey, the, the two aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. Now, one thing you're calling, you're calling from um, Gulf Coast in Florida, right? Right. Why? Why there? Why you've been focusing a lot on lately on the um, Tampa St. Pete area? Um, tell us what attracts you to that area, and you know, what do you see happening there? Well, Tampa St. Pete is a good example. You know, the Tampa Bay, I guess you'd call it. Uh, most of Florida is a great example of those kind of ninety percent of the municipal areas in the country where they just. They're followers, not leaders, in terms of technology and what's cool, and um, which there's plenty, plenty available work, and you know, tons of digital agencies, um, lots of really sharp software people. Um, yeah, I came out here more for you know the weather and family, and um, but one thing I'm noticing is that I think there's about a million people probably in this area. Any town with over 
couple hundred thousand people has a thriving um, technology, you know, web marketing or whatever you want to call it, ecosystem. Thriving. You know, lots of people who didn't know what to do with their life now can get awesome jobs. Uh, there's a place here called the Iron Yard where it's a code school, and um, they've raised over $200 million, and they're all over. Actually, they're just opening. They're all over the southeast, and they just opened in Texas. They opened in Las Vegas. Um, they're probably wind up in California, a little bit like a general assembly or something like that. So it's amazing to see all these different places. Um, Jacksonville, Florida, that's, that's a hot place. I'm not sure why, but it just, you know, well, struck gold. The, uh, the Navy is there, so there's a lot of federal, and I think that makes a difference. And, yeah, and, they their, get fo- the, and their football yeah. team sucks, so they have nothing else to do on the weekend, so they work. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Miami, of course, you know, that's, that's big. And um, North Carolina and South Carolina are, are pretty strong. There's a lot of strong ecosystems there now. And part of this process I've been through in writing and all this recently is I've been talking to some of these towns, you know, all over the world. There's really interesting places that are interested in becoming startup ecosystems like, um, you know, places in Italy and all over Europe and Asia, and uh, you know they all get a lot of the they get a lot of the science, but they don't get the the art to it. You know that whole idea of do something completely different. Don't show me something that's been done before, or put patients into something that's been done before, as opposed to just being a robot and you know learning how to code and trying to get a job and. And you know, doing all these things the, like everybody else does. Well, there, um, there is an art, guys, however. I, there is an art, however, to taking a commercial break, which we will do right now. Um, okay. So we'll be right back, and we'll talk about um, the book "Hacking the Core." After these messages, you're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on Cranberry Radio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. You know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back and we're talking to Tom Knorr about his latest book um, called Hacking the Core. We've had a great discussion so far just about the the emergence of startup ecosystems in in the U.S. and abroad. Um, And Tom, and we were talking earlier about Bob Marley. And um, What was your favorite Bob Marley song? Man, that was tough when you asked me that one. I'm a big Bob Marley fan. Um, I um, Back in the days of cassettes, I got one of his cassettes stuck in my car for over a year, and I liked it so much I didn't even bother trying to get it out. Can you remember when cassettes used to get stuck? So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think I said, um, is it love? Yeah. It but this be love, get stuck. yeah. That's a nice and, one. Uh, you know, um, Redemption Song, I think that's an awesome song. Um, if you listen to Redemption Song by Jackson Brown, that's an amazing version. So, yeah, I'm a big Bob Marley fan. So it's his birthday, or no? It's, no, it's, it's um, sadly, it's the 35th anniversary of his death. Um, uh, but, um, but speaking of Jackson Brown, um, your book opens with a quote from Jackson Brown. And Yeah. Um, what, why'd you, what made you pick that? That was a pretty good segue, man. Um, <laughs> what do I uh, ask about the cranberries? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, what's her name? Rebecca O'Riordan, um, an Irish girl. Dolores um, O'Riordan, yes. But in any event, um, getting back to your book. Um, you know, he's always been one of my favorites. You know, I used to go see him back when he was a big deal. But that quote in particular, um, it's about, you know, driving around and how people move around in the world and travel and they're all trying to do it for some reason to make something happen. And, you know, usually you're just kind of going place to place and existing and, you know, it's kind of about being in the moment, you know? Yeah. Zombie. Okay. I get it now. Zombie, zombie. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, what's yeah. McCall- That's where that came from. And, you know, I love quotes are all over the book. Um, and I'm constantly running into more that I really like. So um, the quote I was referring to, I'll just read it quickly. Uh, I'm sitting down by the highway, down by the highway side. Everybody's going somewhere, riding just as fast as they can ride. I guess they've got a lot to do before they can rest assured their lives are justified. And um, so and in writing this book, is that was is Tom Noor trying to ensure his life is justified, or he's just trying to... Um, educate um, entrepreneurs that you know they need to be focused. Well, it probably wasn't when it started out, but maybe it, it turned into that. Uh, writing a book is an amazing experience. Um, this book actually turned into two books. You know, the one you have is just book one, I guess I'm calling it, and 
there's another 300 page book and there's actually a, a third similar, but you know, the, the book that I wrote turned into two and, um, the second one's a little bit more about tech, but it's also kind of about hacking the core. Uh, the, the original motivation was as a consultant, um, to startups and or somebody being considered to be the CEO of a startup, there's kind of two buckets. The ones that can afford you and you think have a chance and, you know, they've got a little bit of the magic dust and the right attitude and then there's all the other ones. And for all the other ones, they, I was always asking them the same stories and telling them the same answers to their, their questions and, you know, trying to calibrate them. So I figured I'd write it all down. And I started with a blog and, you know, that turned into the book. And so it was really that to help people that I didn't, I couldn't, you know, they couldn't afford to pay money to have somebody like me or get me involved. So I wanted to help them anyway. So that was the original reason to to write the book, say, here, read this. Or if somebody wants to work with me or my team of people, read the book first. Um, One of the motivations was, I don't know if you've ever read Crossing the Chasm by um, Jeffrey Moore, but... That's an amazing book. That made a major difference for me in business about 20-something years ago. Um, Seth Godin, he writes a lot of books. He writes a, yes, yeah. a lot of books, and you know, he's one of my heroes. So it was that kind of thought process of, um, you know, help as many people as I can and, and have a kind of a more efficient way to start a conversation. But the quote, if you go back to the quote, what it's more talking about is a lot of people, they say, I want to do a startup. You know, how do I start up? And when you and I used to have those breakfast meetings and things with people, they'd line up and come see us and say, how do we do a startup? And the problem is they're, they're doing the work. They're moving fast. They, 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 they say I'm a hard worker. They learn how to code. You know, do all these things. But what's missing is innovation. And that's right. where the whole hacking the core comes from. That's the whole reason for the title of the book and the, the message I'm trying to get across to people. Um, and, yeah, you, you yeah. mentioned hacking the core isn't something you borrowed from software engineering. And uh, you say, quote, um, when you're trying to innovate, change to create something new, something compelling, you must hack the core. More accurately, you must go into the core functions of existing systems, thought processes, and user interface, and surgically modify the right pieces to vastly improve the status quo. Think of radical new car designs or the iPhone or iPad when they arrived in our lives. Yeah, most of the the best new products are not radical in you know new inventions that have never been done before. There's people somehow rearranging pieces like Steve Jobs is you know awesome at doing that and you know his whole life you know the the MacBook Air is aluminum. Uh, yes. Touch technology was around long before he put it into cell phones, and he put a little glass cover on. So a lot of these types of innovation is what I'm getting at. And there's a rule in in large software projects uh, for large corporations and like for WordPress and things like that is never hack core, never right. hack core. You're that over and over and over because you hang things off of it. You hook pieces to it because if you, you mess with the core, you screw up everything. Right. So the problem is I think a lot of people coming into the market now, they 
they overextend that rule in life of that they're always supposed to follow and do what the rule book says. And in business, it's the opposite. Um, go into the core and find something. You don't have to change everything, but find something to change that kind of changes everything. Kind of like Twitter. You know, Twitter, they took the web, they took blogging, they took, you know, a bunch of things. And I said, what if we made it shorter? You know, 140 characters. And the reason they did that is that it started out as going to be a phone system. You can only right. put 140 characters on a text. And so that one little change, look at that, kaboom, you know, what it, what it caused. And, um, you know, when Google started a search engine company, everybody said, you can't do that. You know, it's, everybody's done it already. There were 20 of them around. Right. And they even talked to the search Yahoo companies. Yahoo was in their, you know, was, everyone said, well, there's Yahoo, why do we need you? Yeah, and so they they came up with this one little thing is hey nobody's backlinking the way they should and you know I'm oversimplifying but so that's what I'm trying to get people to think about as opposed to you know don't show me another restaurant app that shows me where all the beer pubs are within two miles of my house you know I don't need another one of those there's plenty of those around and that's really the idea of hacking the core in fact um, WordPress was created by a guy when he was like 17 years old, there was another thing called S2 or something, some other open source project. And they told him, don't hack the core, because he was a kid. Well, he went in there and hacked the core of um, B2. It was called B2, and fooled around with it, even though they told him not to, and he created WordPress. And now, you know, that's a multi-billion dollar thing. And now he tells people, don't ever hack the core of WordPress. <laughs> but people do it. <laughs> and he realizes how. Not what I do. Yeah, but you know, people are, and people are coming up with all these different innovations. And you know, you don't have to innovate. You can innovate a business model. You know, there's a lot of different things you can innovate. And so that's what it's all through the book. I talk about that, and I talk about because people say, well, "What is innovation?" or "How do I get inspired to have innovation?" and one thing I lean to a lot in terms of inspiration is art and design, and uh, I talk about that a lot. Uh, travel, you know, things you do with your life that have nothing to do with writing code, and so that's sprinkled all through the book. And Let me ask you this um, question. Let me ask you this question then, going to that point. You know, and you, you speak you know, glow, glowingly about Steve Jobs, and, and just, even just now, um, and looking at Steve Jobs then, is his greatest contributions as a technologist or really as a design specialist? You know, I don't think, it, was he creating a technological innovation or was he, master, he was just a master of design? Oh, that's a really good question. I think he's kind of the, his innovation was the, the marriage of the two. And he knew what to leave in and what to leave out, you know, simplification, uh, minimalism. And, um, for example, he, um, but he, he copied a lot of stuff in terms of design and, um, and he, you know, essentially used, he was not a technologist. He understood technology fairly well, but he definitely was not a technologist. So, yeah, I would say kind of, almost like design simplification or design elegance and design details, you know, the little right. rounded corners and things like that. And um, 
I talk a lot about him in the book, and I kind of talk a lot about Porsches. And I'm kind of a car freak, and I also I've owned several Porsches. And uh, when I met him, he had a Porsche. He had a black 911. There's a whole chapter about that, and I tell that story. And I met him a few times, and he really had a thing for Porsche and Porsche design and. Porsche was a real interesting innovation, if you think about it. There's no car today still that's shaped like a Porsche 911. And when they did it, it was all for functional purposes. And they, you know, you talk about hacking the core. They put the engine in the back. You know, they essentially supercharged a Volkswagen. You know, all the things they put together to make that car. And it turned out to be the, the most, you know, enduring car design ever in the history of mankind. And it's still going. You know, they're still cooking along and they're still innovating. You know, the new Porsche 911 for the first time ever is turbo, turbo standard, twin turbo. And so that was a big heresy among people. Like, no, 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 you can't do that. Porsches are never going to be a turbo 911 and, you know, the standard car. But so he he drew a lot from that. Um, he also had a 928. Uh, he gave away Porsches at the company. So he really believed in a lot of, you know, beautiful car design, and there's a great photo of him in the, the 70s, late 70s. He owned a very expensive mansion up in Atherton. It was like an old castle, and he had no furniture, and there's a picture of him sitting cross-legged on the floor in the living room with a lamp, no furniture, and about $30,000 worth of stereo equipment behind him, and Three or four albums there, um, Steely Dan Asia, um, Ella Fitzgerald, you know, just a few little pieces there, and very minimalist, um, you know, sitting there looking at the camera, very egotistical, and, you know, but he had the best stereo equipment in the world, all these fancy pieces from, from Europe, and, um, you know, that was his design philosophy in, in, you know, a nutshell right there, the way he thought. Yeah. It's interesting. Nothing. The, the movie Risky Business, you know, there's um, it has this a, a more famous quote about sometimes you just have to say what the, um, but the one that I always remember is uh, Tom Cruise saying to um, like, I forget the actress's name, but um, Portia, there is no substitute. Right, right. Rebecca um, Dinorne is the actress, but. Um, yeah, it's it, also. Go ahead. No, it's just, it's just such a definitive statement, and uh, and it's true. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and Porsche is a big part of the whole um, mystique of Silicon Valley. You know the the BMW, Porsche, Ferrari. There's all these kind of echelons you reach as you become more successful, and you're driving around the car. The car you drive in Silicon Valley is very important. I I lived in an apartment building in Mountain View, and I remember I'd look down in the garage, and you know, these people are living in an apartment. They don't even own a home, but there's all these multi-hundred-thousand-dollar Porsches and Ferraris in the in the garage. So it's a, a big thing there to, to have a Porsche. And then when Silicon Valley is not doing so well, you can drive up and down Stephen Creek Boulevard and see all the Porsches in the used lots that these guys had to give up because they couldn't pay their payments. So, so it's a big part of that kind of symbolism of, you know, of the Valley. Well, the and, American success uh, story. I mean, Silicon Valley did have a you know, large immigrant population, so 
nothing exactly. announces yeah, success then. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, visible yeah. sign of success. Now I think it's shifted a little more to Tesla. You know, True. that's more I of the. Oh, so. um, you know, Janis Joplin did pray for a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> and but she had a Porsche. She had a three fifty six. It was painted like a rainbow colors and all that crazy stuff. But but um, I don't really like the design of the Tesla that much. I understand it's an amazing machine, but. You know, just looks like a Prius to me or something. Doesn't look like much of a car. So, how are you going to release the book? What is the rollout plan? Several copies out to different editors. Um, you know, I'm getting a lot of feedback from them, and it's first going to get released on um, iBooks, Apple, and uh, you know, that's kind of a boutique place for people to publish and it's going to be in electronic form and I'm having a few copies printed. Um, I'm also doing a photo book with just the photos from the book. There's a lot of photos all over the place in that book and almost all of them are mine. So, um, you know, that's going to be the first wave of it and I'm taking it really slow. I thought I, you know, I always thought you should do it really fast, but, um, you know, eventually it'll be Amazon, it'll be, you know, on the Kindle and all those different things too. But I'm just kind of leaking it out slowly now and it's almost being used more as a conversation piece right now. Um, and some people have actually hunted me down and asked for a copy. You know, there's a, like the senior vice president of ventures, of Intel Ventures asked for a copy recently, so I sent him a copy. So when people ask for a copy, I send it to them. Okay. Um, a copy with, um, I'm just kind of leaking it out. One going back to innovations, one of the greatest innovations um, that enabled radio stations like this is commercials and commercial breaks. Um, we'll be back uh, after these messages to um, get some final thoughts from Tom Nora. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on Webmaster Radio, which is now Cranberry Radio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Conversion Conference, the can't-miss CRO event of 2016. Join over 750 people from dozens of countries gathering in Las Vegas, May 18th and 19th, for the biggest industry-wide conversion event ever. Four parallel tracks of top content will allow you to personalize the exact topics that you want to focus on, interact with expert speakers at informal networking events, and birds of a feather lunch table topics. Meet dozens of leading CRO companies face-to-face in the expo hall. Get hands-on with pre-conference workshops and master classes. Join us for fun activities such as zip lining and Tim Ash's after party in the presidential suite. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's in Vegas, baby? May 18th and 19th. Conversion Conference last year sold out fast, and it's expected to sell out again. So don't miss it. Go to conversionconference.com for details right now. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. 
Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back. This is Bennett Kelly at the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica, and this is not Hollywood. Um, And for information about today's show, you can go to our blog, which is at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. We have information on Tom and his book, and also you can check out information on our other shows and guests. Um, in addition, why don't you check, go to our website at the Internet Law Center, internetlawcenter.net. Check us out. Um, we're a full-service Internet firm, and uh, um, hopefully we, if we can be of service, feel free to give us a call. Um, but we're back here with Tom Nora, and Tom, um, it's been interesting talking about this new book, and you were just talking about how you're going to re- release it and, uh, and some of the response so far. Yeah, um one of the the people I talked to about the modern world of digital publishing is um Guy Kawasaki. Um and he actually wrote a book about publishing. Um author, publish and um exhibit. So he talks about how to go through the whole process and self publishing and um it's very interesting you talk about innovation, not only can you kind of self-publish, but you can now go and um, make changes and, you know, infinite number of changes to your book after it's been published, and uh, you can talk to publishers after you've self-published. So the world of publishing has really changed a lot, and it's really all these avenues of opportunity that didn't used to exist. And in terms of monetization and, uh, productizing, you know, an entire set of books. And so I'm slowly kind of rolling out all those little pieces one at a time. Um, but I figured I could just, you know, put it on your website, Bennett, and if anybody's interested in buying it, they can just, you know, buy it from you. You're, you're more than welcome to do so. I'd be happy to host it. Um, and I'm sure it would generate a lot of traffic, uh, you know, given your reputation in this space. Um, so... When do you think actually, you know, in terms of if people want to go buy it, you know, when can they, when do you think that might happen? Well, if anybody wants it right now, they can get a free copy from me. Uh, just go to TomNora.com and, um, you know, I have a little place. So I'll, I'll move it to the front page where they can um, request a copy and I'll, I'll send them an e-copy for free. And then in terms of actually selling it online, probably in about a month. Uh, about a month? A couple of edits. Yeah. And will it sell as an ebook, or will it actually be in physical print? It's going to start as an ebook, and there will be some, some printed copies. And as I mentioned, the, the photo book will be a printed book. And are you going to be talking, you doing talks on the book in, in you know, different um, startup towns? 
a few a few scheduled in in New York and um, in Raleigh and a couple of other towns, but uh, I just I'm not sure if I can use the bathroom when I go to Raleigh. But uh, <laughs> and, and you know the thing about New York and bathrooms, right? The the great thing about New York is that at every right corner there's a bathroom. I mean, right angle. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about bathrooms in New York is you just don't look. You just do your thing and, you know, mind your own business. But um, also, but I'm trying to target um, a lot of these smaller startup ecosystems, these municipalities, to do a tour of not just, you know, the, the book, but sitting and talking to them about how they can use some of the principles in the book to turn around their um, initiatives to try to to build themselves into like a tech town. And um, and as you know, you have to work with local governments in order to really get much to happen, but they can be one of the biggest hindrances to, to yeah, make it happen. It. That's an interesting uh, insight because a lot of what you hear in terms of tech ecosystems, you know, is um, education, all these other things. But you never really hear much about um, having, I guess, knowledgeable or aware policymakers. And how important is that? And and where do you think is an example of where that's present? Well, it's critical. It's um, and you're right. A lot of people don't see it, uh, and the problem is. Like right here in Tampa Bay, it's one of the big problems. Is the the government leaders of city, county, there's all different economic development people. All those people, they usually don't want to get very involved in in more conservative places. But then the minute it takes off, they want to dive in front of it and kind of right. take over. And they usually have no qualifications. They've never built a startup or anything like that. But they they have the power. You know, they control the, a lot of things. Places where it's it's been much more innovative are like Boulder, Colorado. Um, of course, San Francisco is amazing, all the way from their mayor to pretty much everybody there. They have all types of incentives and things like that. Um, there's um, you know, the, a real interesting story was um, Santa Monica. Santa Monica was kind of holding back, even though the world was claiming you know, Silicon Beach and all these things, the city of Santa Monica wasn't helping much like 2011, 2012. And then this little town next door heard about it called Culver City. And they said, oh, well, we'll take you. And Culver City is actually its own city. And they started roaring with startups, as you know, and they still are. So then Santa Monica kind of caught up. So actually Southern Cali, the L.A., you know, the mayor, um, they let people use the city hall in L.A. to to house their startups now. There's all kinds of wonderful things happening there in yeah, I mean, terms of money. You know, I, know, I know Eric Garcetti, and, you know, he gets it. You know, he oh, he, yeah. he is like the example of a modern mayor because he he's doing what all the old classic, you know, um, big city mayors like uh, Mayor Schaefer in Baltimore and Cockton, uh, in New York, you know, in terms of the nuts and bolts, but he's doing it in a 21st century um, technology-centric and social media-aware way, um, and I think that's why he's such a you know he's such an interesting person to watch. Um, we only have two minutes left, Tom. If people want to follow you or get get more information on where you're going to be, what's the best way to do that? 
Well, just type my name, Tom Nor, in Google. You'll find a lot of stuff. Um, or at Tom Nor on Twitter. And TomNor.com is my website. Well, um, any, anything, anything else? Do you have anything coming up you want to announce? Uh, no, nothing I can think of. You know, tons of things, but um, nothing I can think of to use this free spot. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you for joining us. I would love to linger, but um, I'm afraid we can't. But, um, you know, time is short. But thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Um, next week, we're going to have John Humphreys and Brendan Taylor from Proficia. And that should be an interesting discussion. Um, but I want to thank Tom again for joining us. Um, Tom is definitely check out his book, um, Hacking the Core. And then come back here next week for another edition of Cyberlaw Business Report, only on Cranberry Radio. Um, this is Ben and Kelly. Have a great week. We'll see you later. The opinions expressed on this Cranberry Radio program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry Media. Any redistribution of this content without proper consent is prohibited. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.